smart contracts, I think from, from a patent attorney's perspective, smart contracts are, are a really interesting part of the functionality of, of NFTs. Uh, one of the challenges we face with software and, and business methods uh, with patents is, is this patent eligibility concept. Are we merely implementing a human process on a computer? And the use of smart contracts is, is really interesting because we could program, uh, we could program it to, to trigger something that causes a computer to automatically perform an action. It could involve payments to an artist or some other person, or it could send alerts or change the status or change ownership rights. And, and uh, you know, that, that really should take it out of the realm of, of that concern of, are we just, uh, are we just trying to protect uh, a digital form of, of art or, or a different form of music in a, in a different format? And, uh, and so I, you know, I think if you're, including this functionality uh, for smart contracts causes some sort of interesting behavior, whether you're triggering a payment or something more, it's probably worth exploring some, some patentability there because uh, there's a, a ton of potential that we'll, we'll, we'll tap into a bit later uh, about, uh, about the things a smart contract can provide. Andy? Thanks, Eric. Um, uh, heading back over, we're now going to, uh, I'm gonna just illustrate briefly uh, what I talked about before in terms of actually editing the NFT, because we've created it and it exists now, uh, but it hasn't been locked onto the blockchain yet. The metadata hasn't been frozen yet. So we actually do have an opportunity uh, to go in and make changes. So um, here you can see the NFT, uh, it's still in my account. Um, we can click on edit and if we wanted to, we could change the artwork. Uh, here we're gonna I'm going to scroll down, maybe change the description a little bit um, just to make it a little more more legible. Uh, as you can see here, we're you know, we included Foley's core values in the description. So I'm going to actually go ahead and add those as properties for Foley. You know, our, our core values consist of our, our people uh, in the first instance uh, that were clients first uh, firm, professional satisfaction, stewardship and accountability, just plugging our, our core values here a little bit. Diversity and inclusion, citizenship, trust and respect, uh, and finally integrity. So um, now those properties are part of this NFT. And once it's uh, the, once the metadata is frozen, which I actually can't do quite yet because these changes still need to be submitted. But once the NFT is up on the blockchain, either through freezing the metadata or, or a transaction, all of those properties are permanently, those core values are now permanently part of uh, the Foley and Lardner NFT. Um, so again, you can see we're going to submit the changes here. And now going back to the collection page, um, when we see the NFT, um, all of those changes will be included. Let me just get to that next screen here. All right, so now scrolling down, um, we're going to start the, the process of. Well, let me just show you again that the um, you have those properties included in the actual NFT itself. Okay, so getting to the process of of selling the NFT, uh, basically OpenSea makes this easy for you again. Um, you go to the sale page. Um, there are a few different ways to list your item for sale. Uh, you could do it at a set price or at a declining price that changes over time. You can sell it uh, auction style to the highest bidder, or you can bundle it with 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 other items for sale. Um, 
you do end up uh, having to pay uh, what's called a gas fee here, which we, we talked about before. Uh, you can see over on the right the fees. There's a two and a half percent fee to OpenSea. Um, it does mention, you can see the 10% the fee to the Foley NFT task force. That's the royalty back to the creator uh, that because it's part of the metadata, it will always be part of every transaction. Interestingly, even the first one. So um, the the part of the, the, the transaction you know, fees, the price will be paid as purchase price and part of it will be paid um, as as the royalty. Um, so in, in the case of this particular uh, NFT, because we're not listing it uh, for public sale, uh, we're going to just kind of hold it uh, and, and do it through a private offer, which we'll get to in a minute. But before we uh, get all the way to that point, um, this is a good place to talk about some of the issues, the securities law issues that come up that might not apply in the in the case of a single NFT like the one that we're selling, you know, that we're illustrating right now. But if you were selling uh, a whole collection or a series or or doing this on a, on a mass basis, uh, you do have to be aware of these issues. And uh, to discuss those a little bit, I'm going to turn it over to uh, my partners, uh, Byron McLean and Louis Leho. Right. So thank you, Andy. So as my uh, colleagues were mentioning to you, there are, there are many uh, economic benefits and opportunities from offering and selling uh, NFTs, but there's one you know huge issue that you have to look out for. And it's probably appropriate for me to talk about it as a former federal prosecutor here in Los Angeles who's prosecuted securities cases and is currently a member of Foley's um, uh, JEDI group, Government Enforcement and Defense Investigations, as a white collar lawyer. Um, you definitely have to be aware of uh, the offering and selling of a particular NIT or NFT or collection of NFTs being con construed as a security. The way in which uh, that determination is, is made is based on a, a test that was construed back in 1946, uh, the Howey test, before any of us even thought of the concept of offering and selling uh, NFTs. Um, and that test has four uh, different elements. The first element is, uh, is there an investment of money or some sort of consideration, which is you know pretty much always present. Uh, the second element is it is this investment of of money in a common enterprise. Uh, third, is it with the expectation of profit? And fourth, is it based on the efforts of others? And typically, when this test is being applied, the first two elements are typically uh, present, and it's the last two that are are often at issue. Now, if if this digital asset or the NFT uh, is construed to be a investment contract and thus a security based on this test. The implications of it being a security are significant and huge. One is that there can be registration requirements uh, that you have to go through. Uh, two, if those registration requirements do apply and you don't comply with them, um, there could be criminal and civil liability issues, uh, significant issues. And third, the SEC really has an impact on whether or not something uh, ends up being construed as an, as an NFT and whether or not it can be sold to certain uh, investors. Practically speaking, as Andy alluded to, if you're just selling, you know, an individual artist just selling one NFT to another person, it's more than likely not going to be construed as an NFT, uh, the NFT being a security, um, as opposed to if you have a more sophisticated entity. Um, so scale does matter um, in, in these transactions. But ultimately, it's ultimately the substance of the transaction as opposed to the form that the SEC really takes into consideration. I'll also note that, you know, as we all know, there's not a lot of clarity um, in this in this realm right now, and Senator Pat Toomey uh, on the Senate Banking Committee is going to be proposing some legislation to try to provide a little more clarity in this in this area in the uh, in the near future. 
Um, in fact, Coley is a Foley is a co-sponsor of a nonprofit organization, the Global Digital Asset and Cryptocurrency Association, that's going to be proposing some recommendations uh, to Senator Toomey and his committee um, to provide more clarity. In fact, uh, Pat Doherty and I are co-chairs of that subcommittee on the security implications of digital assets. And we'll be providing those recommendations to his committee. Um, I believe it's uh, September 27th later this month. So hopefully we'll have some more clarity once that congressional legislation comes out. But at this point, I'll turn it over to my colleague Louis to provide um, more practical implications of uh, NFTs being construed as securities. Hey, thank you, Byron. I'm I'm Louis Lowe. In the background here, you'll see that uh, I'm I'm in Silicon Valley, and I help uh, companies get formed, finance, and scaled for growth. And the world that we live in has become this metaverse in the last uh, five years, which became radically accelerated a year and a half ago when we all went virtual. Uh, so I'm in my home office, like probably most of you, uh, and working with entrepreneurs who are coming up with all sorts of new business models uh, on how to monetize the world they're living in, which, which we call a metaverse after uh, Neil's book uh, called Snow Crash. Um, so when i begin working with an entrepreneur um one, one of the first questions that we we ask is you know what is our business are are and the entrepreneurs that that we're working with are typically partnering with creators of content whether they're artists think of painters uh and and the, the amazing work that they do that probably never gets seen in, unless you walk into that gallery in soho but now uh, when we're living in this metaverse, uh, those artists can access the global stage uh, immediately, and and how do how do they monetize that? And, and so, um, some of the entrepreneurs that we work with are in fact content creators. Others are are entrepreneurs that know content creators and know the uh, and understand the blockchain and want to bring that content to the blockchain. Um, and so then the question is, are, are, are is this new business going to be a business about creating